Hey guys, welcome back to the Better Not Bitter podcast. Today I have another special guest with me, but before I get into that, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Without further ado, I would like to introduce to you the man himself, Ben Brown of the Vitiligo and Albinism Network. What's up, world? It's an honor to be here today. My sister Maya hit me up, asked me if I would come on her podcast, and I was like, what? You got to ask? You just tell me when and where, and I'll be there. <laughs> Actually, it was a little more difficult than that because we had scheduling stuff going on. But the commitment was in my heart because this sister is phenomenal. I'm a huge fan of her, uh, her voice, her energy, her everything about her. I just love her to death. So it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. And no problem. I love what you do and, and the content that you push and the message that you push is really inspirational. <laughs> I actually, I actually um, started following the Albinism and Vitiligo Network mm -hmm. maybe a little bit before the pandemic started. And I was like, man, where has this been all along since I've been on Facebook? I got to follow this. And I just remember seeing uh, photos of people with vitiligo and albinism and being inspired and, and encouraged by what you do. Um, how in the world did you become inspired to start this Facebook group? Well, um, I got diagnosed with vitiligo in 2015. And if you can see this area here and this area here, seven years ago, I was one complexion. I was all brown skin. For 35 years of my life, I was brown skin. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, at the age of 35, I started getting white spots, white spots. And you can imagine, you know, living 35 years, you, you're finally comfortable in your skin. You know who you are. You're starting to, you know, you've accepted those things where you're not great and you've kind of, you know, you're okay with who you are. And then you have to press that reset button and look in the mirror every day and say, who the heck are you? And how are you gonna function in this world with a brand new body, a brand new face? I won't say a brand new identity, but it's it, to some extent, it is a new identity. So um, to answer your question, um, I felt like I was drowning, you know, in um, depression and, and just, um, all of the attention and the, the stares and the comments and the people thinking I was sick and something was wrong with me. And, you know, people from different parts of the world have different ideas about what vitiligo is and, and being under that constant scrutiny, it really put me in a, a, a negative spiral, down spiral. So um, I met a guy online who had vitiligo and he lived in Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, you know, we were we were talking and, and we were trying to um, figure out ways that I could be in in constant, you know, in, in constant touch with people like myself. And there was no local organization or vitiligo organization. So he was like, well, if there isn't one, then start one. So, mm. so I was like, why not? So I started asking people around the community to join, you know, the vitiligo at first, it was the, the Tennessee Vitiligo Awareness Network. That's what it, the original group was, right? Okay. So, you know, it was kind of tough, you know, because I didn't have the confidence myself. So mm. 
I'm reaching out to other people to join this group and they and they they don't necessarily see me as a a person that they can draw from so it didn't you know it didn't take off that well so um I started attending different functions throughout my local area um some with the um, albinism community. Um, there's a lady by the name of Larsenia Muse. You may know her. Yeah. She has a daughter, Journey. They live here in my city. So wow. I connected, yeah, I connected with Miss Larsenia, who's a wonderful lady. And um, I started attending some of her functions. I, I attended a um, albinism 5K walk and just being around it, just kind of picking up on how to form a group and, and how to um, you know put my group together. I just, you know, I kind of got to know some people in the in the albinism community and 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 we were able to relate to one another. You know, mm -hmm. we have similar skin in, in, in some in some ways. And mm -hmm. and I actually have a friend, um, Latoya, La Latoya Freeman. I met her through my you know advocacy and mm -hmm. we just became friends. And so she joined the group. And every time I would post about vitiligo, 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 I kind of felt like I was leaving her out. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, you know, vitiligo is a, a very, um, I don't want to get into the negative and, and, you know, they're very protective of the movement. The movement of vitiligo is a big, huge movement. For those who don't know, in the past 10 years, there's been a movement to, um, for awareness and advocacy, and there are even bills in Congress for a, a, a recognized day for the for the um, nation, a vitiligo day for the entire nation. So these things are very well protected. And for me to to include albinism and vitiligo in one group, it was very um, out of the box. It wasn't necessarily. Uh, I, there are there are people who would rather keep them separate because you guys albinism you're 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 your story is different your journey is different mm -hmm. you're born with it is not the same and i think people didn't want to confuse the two and they wanted our mission to be our mission and just to leave it like that mm. but, but like i said i had met a lot of people in the albinism community that I was very fond of and I, f I felt like we had things in common. So why not? So I opened it up to albinism. And my my hope was that the albinism community would um, see the vision and that they would contribute to the page so that it would be a, a joint effort, a joint venture. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's getting there. It, it's getting there. But, um, you know, I, I don't consider myself a, a well-versed person on albinism. I know the, mm -hmm. I know the basics, so I, I can't educate people on albinism, but I, mm -hmm. I'm here, I'm here as an advocate to, to be on you guys' side for advocacy. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. And that is, I think it's really cool that the origins of what you started came out of sharing solidarity with people who have albinism as well as vitiligo. And I think even though the two conditions have their own set of myths, uh, stigma, and, and just experiences in general, mm -hmm. I think we can share commonality uh, in the fact that we are different and we are unique and 
within both spaces, I think being able to highlight one another is a beautiful picture of, you know, what it means to appreciate people's differences as well as honor similarities. So I think that the network is beautiful. You know, when I'm on there, I'm seeing comments from uh, someone with albinism cheering on someone with vitiligo and vice versa. And just to see that it's like, wow. And I'm a Christian. So I like to view things um, from the perspective of my faith, like even within Christianity, when I see brothers and sisters encouraging one another, instead of tearing people down, that that gets me excited. So I love what you do and I appreciate it so much. Thank you for saying that. It, it gets me excited too. Nothing, nothing makes me more pumped is when I see people from the, the other side, mm-hmm. the other side. That tears yeah. me up because yeah. we want people to accept us. We want people to not stigmatize us, but you don't have, you know, if, if you don't have it in your heart to do it for somebody else, what do you really want? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it starts with you, but, but yeah, but thanks for pointing that out. I, I, it fires me up too. That's awesome. My next question is for those who don't know, could you explain what vitiligo is and how it occurs? Sure. Um, vitiligo is an autoimmune disorder, disease disorder. Oh my goodness. I, don't get me started. People, people <laughs> get really uh, sensitive when you say disease, disease disorder in the immune system and something in your immune system, it, it has not been discovered yet. What triggers of vitiligo, but something in your immune system triggers your immune system to fight your um, pigment cells like it's it's a disease, like something is wrong with it. And mm. and if you know anything about um, your immune system, it's like uh, I think a doctor explained it to me like ants one time. He was like, once you have one ant, and it's like the the, the red blood cell attacks, it's like all of the other blood cells come to um, attack that thing. So whatever triggers it, it could start out small. And for some people, it could stop in that spot. It may be a spot here, a spot there. But for some people, it just spreads. And as you can see, in seven years, I'm about 30% covered. So still 70 brown. So Wow. I think that it's a testament to how far you've come in your journey that you were able to start such an organization and educate and advocate for vitiligo. How has um, vitiligo impacted you on a daily basis? Well, well, I'm finally in seven years. I'm finally to a point where every single thing doesn't trigger me. Mm. You know, at first, uh, um, a group of teenagers would send me into a panic because mm. teenagers, they have no filter. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they can be very rude. And sometimes they don't even mean to be, but sometimes they do mean to be, you know. Um, now, I can function at a high level. I would say that I function at an 80% level, which is good, coming from about 20%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, the stairs don't really move me like they used to. Um, I'll lock eyes with somebody about 
five, six times a day, I just look away. Mm -hmm. um, if, you know, if I catch somebody really hardcore staring, um, every now and then I'll get into a stare battle with them and I usually, I always win. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a big, I'm a big dude. Too. Ain't so many people wanna, you know, have that battle with me, but but no, um, seriously, um, I function at a, at a good level. I mean, my goal is to be 100%, of course. Mm -hmm. um, there was an, I won't say an incident, but there was an instance we were on vacation about uh, a month ago and um, we were at a resort in California and really nice pool, big, huge pool, had a slide and everything. And I love to swim. I love the outdoors. I love everything to do with it. But I know the reaction that I'm going to get when I strip down to my um, no shirt, no pants and just swim trunks. I know the reaction that I'm going to get because I've had it before and it is a a bad feeling. And my, my four-year-old daughter begged me to get in the pool. Come on, daddy, play with me. Come on. And it, I, I sat there in that chair, just frozen with fear. And it was the, it was a horrible feeling. It, mm. it was so, so there are those instances where I still, um, you know, I, I still kind of hide away sometimes from some, some moments, but for the most part, I do pretty well. That's awesome. Um, obviously, I don't have vitiligo, but I do have albinism. So I can definitely empathize with just the nature of getting involuntary attention. You're out in public, you're minding your business, and people are just not even staring sometimes. It's gawking. Like, they're going to break their neck. It's like, if you, if you need a picture, it might last longer. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely get it. Sometimes I have to catch myself. You know, I'm a lot farther than what I used to be, but it, right. it's a process that I think sometimes people don't realize how that can make an individual feel because you never know how far along people are in their journey of life. You don't know what they've been through. Um, so I definitely can relate to that. Uh, my next question <laughs> is kind of like a follow-up to that. Okay. Has your network helped you in your journey of having vitiligo? And if so, how? Well, it definitely has because um, you said you just kind of joined right during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But before that, I used to pour my heart out on that page. Like, wow. guys, guys, you know, uh, this happened to me today. You know, this woman, let me tell you what happened one time. Oh, I, used to, I used to work at Vanderbilt University. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. But anyway, it's a, it's a, a big university here in um, Nashville, Tennessee. And I show up to work as normal, walk in the building, and eight police officers show up about 20 minutes after I'd gotten there. And they're like, uh, we're looking for so-and-so person. And uh, my boss was like, he's over there. Is there anything we can help you with? And then they walked over to me and they just kind of got quiet. And I was like, is something wrong? And they were like, well, uh, yeah, someone reported that someone got out of your car with a ski mask on and came into the building. And at that time, my face was more brown and I had white around my eyes brown around here and white around here. So, you know, moments like that are embarrassing, you know, 
And I would get on the group page and I would say, you know, guys, this happened to me today. It made me so mad. It made me so angry. You know, what do you guys do in, in situations like this? And, and I was able to be fed through the group um, emotional support and, and those type of things. And um, that time has passed. I don't I don't really have those moments like I used to. But the group has definitely fostered my healing and my um, my upbuilding. Absolutely. I'm glad to hear that. But just listening to that story, like that's heartbreaking. I know that you're over it and you, you've healed from that incident. But that is heartbreaking because I can't imagine having that level of ignorance right in my face. And for those of you who don't know, when I say ignorance, I mean someone who has a lack of knowledge about a particular area. I'm not saying that to mean that they're dumb. Um, but man, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, I My question, <laughs> something that I would be faced with is like, man, how do I even respond in a situation like that? Um, so I want to talk about the different ways that you may kind of accommodate having vitiligo. So for example, with albinism, we have to wear sunscreen. Many of us wear sleeves. We moderate how much time we spend out in the sun. We have low vision um, adaptive technology to kind of mitigate the vision aspect. Are there any accommodations that you have to use or tips and tricks that help you in your experience? No, no, nothing other than the obvious, the hat. Mm -hmm. I wear a hat all the time. Um, I do wear sunscreen when I'm gonna spend more than an hour outside, mm -hmm. but, but sometimes I do my morning walks and I won't I won't put anything on. Mm -hmm. and if, as long as it's under an hour, my I usually do okay. Mm -hmm. But um, days like I'm going to the beach or something that I'm going to be outside for a long time, I mm -hmm. really have to lather it on. Mm -hmm. And it's so uncomfortable. I, I know people of the albinism community are probably more used to it because you've been doing it longer. But mm -hmm. it, you know, I'm a sweater. <laughs> I'm a sweater. And then it's it's thick and it, it it's not like lotion. Lotion kind of absorbs in your skin. It's, it, it's uncomfortable. But yeah. you know, I just use a lot of hats and um, tinted windows <laughs> on my car. I always have to get tents, and um, that's basically it. What about you? Um, I pretty much. I hear a feedback sound. Do you hear feedback? A, a hum. A Is hum. It, it's very faint. Okay, it's probably my computer. It's it's very loud. Um, well, let me turn off my air AC. If those of you who are in the comment section, if you still hear it, let me know. Do you hear it? I don't hear anything on your end anymore, um, but hopefully they'll let me know. But to answer do, your question, do, some of the things I do that... Hum or something. Uh huh. It's probably uh, my microphone picking. Okay, up my is that it, better? That's better. Okay, I'll hold it right here. Um, but to answer your question, some of the accommodations that I use for albinism consist of 
wearing sunscreen. Um, I tend to wear a lot of hats. Like I have a, a literal hat collection of snapbacks and baseball caps. And most people think that's just part of my style, which now it has become part of my style. Right. <laughs> but it's because, you know, with people with albinism, we have something called photophobia, mm -hmm. which means because we don't have pigment in our eyes, mm -hmm. we absorb way more light than the the average human being is supposed to. So I wear hats to mitigate that, sunglasses. Uh, these are like blue light glasses for when I'm using a computer or technology for long periods of time. And then for the low vision aspect, I tend to use something called a dome magnifier uh, as well as like a mini telescope to help me see things from a distance. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so drive? I don't drive. I can't drive, unfortunately, but I've learned to use public transportation, uh, things like Uber, uh, city buses, and I also rely on the, the generous help of my family members uh, to get me from point A to B. They're, they're a godsend. Um, so that's how I get around. And it forces you to uh, not only be humble, but it also teaches you to be able to communicate your needs in an effective way so that people understand where you're coming from. Along those same lines, I definitely can relate to the whole sunscreen thing. I've had albinism all my life, <laughs> of course. And the whole applying sunscreen thing has not gotten easier, <laughs> you know, especially when it smells, you know, so most sunscreens tend to smell a certain way mm -hmm. or they may get a little clumpy over time. It's just kind of hit or miss sometimes. So I definitely understand that. So I'm interested to find out or understand how vitiligo may impact your interactions with kids and adults and even people within the African-American community. Kids and adults. <clears throat> you know, I've learned a valuable lesson that how you present yourself is how most people will receive you. So if you, you know, have you ever heard that um, animals like dogs know when you're, when you fear them or something to that effect that they, they will be more aggressive towards you or something? I don't, I don't know where that was going. But anyway, the point I was making was <clears throat> if I walk in a room and I'm looking sheepish and kind of intimidated and stuff like that, I've noticed that children and younger people will be more freaked out. They'll be more uncomfortable. But if I walk into the room and I'm looking everyone in the eye and I'm smiling and, and, you know, I'm just carrying on like everyone else, then people will, they'll look, they'll check you out. And most of the time they'll go back to their business. Um, smaller children, they'll, they'll study you a little longer, you know, but as long as you you're not looking scary or um, you know uncomfortable, they'll nine times out of ten they'll just go about their business. Um, the African American community, wow, do we ooh do we really want to go there? Um, the African community, I don't know if I want to touch that one. 
the um when we when you in the hood, right? When you're in the hood and you in and when you're in a lower income environment, um people will treat you differently. So <clears throat> you have to mind where you are because I've been treated very rudely in in the hood, in the lower income communities. I don't know what it is. I don't know if if people are just rude, they just don't um, have a tolerance for something that they don't know or see, and they give you very mean energy. It's weird. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to explain. <clears throat> I I I can relate to that, and I think what it is is humans in general. When it when there is something that we are approached by or interact with that we do not understand, there is usually one of three responses that occur. We either want to learn more, and so we ask questions. Two, we alienate the person. Or three, we give off that negative energy. And two out of those three are very unhealthy and those being the negative energy and alienating people. When we learn to ask questions and approach people with compassion and an understanding that if we have nothing else in common, we have the fact that we are made in the image of God, we are human. That alone should be enough common ground to begin to ask questions or show somebody with respect. There are times where uh, I've been approached <laughs> by people, you know, well-meaning or not, and they thought that, and this is not to be disrespectful in any uh, any way, but I've been asked, oh, you have you have the thing that Michael Jackson had, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing that at like eight years old and being like, fam, this is so out of pocket. And so over time, I would get responses and questions like that. And I was bullied and I'd build up this resentment, this bitterness, this anger for people who just approached me in general. Because after you get so many negative responses, you're like, oh, no, nah, forget this. I got no tolerance for people. But then I was convicted. Oh, in your body. Huh? I don't see a mean streak in you. I can't believe I, it. <laughs> I appreciate that. I wasn't mean about it, but I was just very like back up. Guarded, if that's the right word. Guarded. Gotcha. And so I had to learn to one, forgive the people who bullied me and had ignorance, but I had to reframe my thinking for the people that do have the guts to approach me. Like, okay, I understand that there is a wealth of media representation that is not accurate for both vitiligo and albinism. And that's what a lot of people are getting this, this nonsense from. So I had compassion on them like, okay, I'm just gonna do my best to educate from a place of the fact that they genuinely want to learn and also know that what they do with that knowledge is not my responsibility. Facts. Yeah, so I definitely can relate to that. And I don't know why that happens to us. Um, I found that within both communities 
of vitiligo and albinism, the response is generally the same no matter what ethnicity the individual is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mean to throw anybody under the bus, but that's my truth, you know. Oh, no, no, no. See, on here we keep it 100. And I, I know you to be someone who speaks with grace, even if you're saying something hard. I've seen your post. I know that to be. And, and we're not throwing anybody under the bus, but it's important to highlight these issues so that we can't we can learn how to better love one another as my brother in the comments would say but we can learn how to not just act on our awareness it's one thing to be aware but what are you going to do with that knowledge wow. and i think as a society one of the things that gets thrown to the wind when we talk about loving one another is people with disabilities chronic illnesses and conditions you know there's Posters for everything else. <laughs> but when those three things are thrown into the mix, tolerance, tact, and, and understanding go out the window. So I appreciate you being honest and don't feel like you got to hold back. We know you're not throwing anybody under the bus. So my next question is, what is something that Vitiligo has taught you? And it can be one to three things that you want to share if you want to. Well, this this first lesson is a um, a lesson in process because I wouldn't say that I'm, I've mastered this yet, but the whole idea of self-love and um, self-esteem and self-acceptance, right? Things that I've never contemplated because growing up, I played sports. You know, I had an identity of you know, an athletic person. And, you know, I got along with people pretty well. And I've always had goals and things of that nature. So self-esteem and self-love was nothing I ever wrestled with. But as I, <clears throat> as I, um, in my, at a middle age, as I try to come to grips with what I look like, which I don't always love, you know, sometimes I hate what I see when I look in the mirror, you know, um, as I grapple with who I am within what I look like and how I see myself and how I see the world and how the world sees me, you know, self-love is a huge thing. And once you master self-love, everything else kind of just nothing really matters because no one can affect you when you when you have self-love. And um, it, it's it's been such a weird journey of uh, self-acceptance and self-love because I thought I had always done that. That's like, what do you mean I don't love myself? I can't look in the mirror and accept myself. I can't, you know, when someone treats me, when someone does something to me, I, I immediately go into my feelings. I'm like, it's because of my vitiligo. You know, uh, this person cut me off because I have vitiligo and they don't want to be seen with me anymore. You know, it, it's so many, it's so many levels to it. Um, some of the other things that I've learned is that there's a beauty in everything. So some people will look at me and say, oh, my God, look at him. He looks so bad. He, and then somebody else may say, man, God, God is is amazing. Look how he did those patterns on the on his skin. And it's just so beautiful. So 
finding the beauty and finding the self-love is the journey that I've been on. And I, and like I said, I, I don't feel like I've reached that pinnacle yet, but I've come a long way and, and I'm, and I'm grateful for that. That is everything you just said was a message. Okay. So you better preach. You better say all of that. I appreciate that. And I can totally relate. Um, especially <laughs> when you think you're at a certain point of, self-acceptance and then something else occurs and you're like, man, I should be over this by now. Right. I get that. Um, not only do I have albinism, I also have a chronic disease called chronic migraine. Mm. And a lot of people don't realize that it is a legitimate illness. And because of the stigma that surrounds that condition, I have had to really give myself grace in the area of self-acceptance. And one of the things that I had to do in order to give myself that grace is mourn the, the, the person that I used to be that could do 8 million things at once and not bat an eye. I can't do that anymore. I've learned to really budget my time and my energy. And I had to really mourn that person because I had found my identity. I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you. How old are you? I'm 23. You've been here before. <laughs> you have been here before. You, you do not speak like a 23-year-old woman. You have really? So I get that a lot. Wisdom is so weird. I'm like, are you, am I the older person or are you the older person? But anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Sorry, I get sorry. that a lot. Ahead, a lot of my friends either call me the mom friend or the auntie friend. I'm usually <laughs> one of both. Um but yeah, I had to learn that and grieve that I, the person that I had formed my identity around, which was the productive person, get it done, the athlete, the go-getter. And so God has helped me remove my identity from that and understand that my identity is first solidified in him. Everything else is just embellishment to who, already, who he already says I am. And so I definitely can relate to you on that level. And I appreciate your vulnerability in your answers to these questions as well. For sure, thank you. <clears throat> so every condition has turn, some turn sort of stigma. I'm starting to sweat in here. Huh? <laughs> can I turn my air back on? Oh yeah, go ahead. I think the issue was my microphone and not your okay. AC. Okay, so sorry, go ahead. You're good, you're good, it's all Gucci. Um. So with every condition, I've learned and I've noticed that there is stigma around it. Stigma meaning negative stereotypes, attitudes, or mindsets surrounding a person, object, or, or even like a condition. I've learned that each condition has their own set of stigma. What are some common myths surrounding vitiligo? And to combat those myths, give us the facts. Okay, let's start with the worst one. Does he have leprosy? Mm. Right. And that usually comes from the, the community of, of uh, people who are from church. Um, um, is it contagious? No, it's not leprosy. No, it's not contagious. The, the root of the issue is in a person's immune system. So it is within their body. It cannot be transmitted through sex, through touch, through 
air or anything. And um, COVID was an interesting time, right? Because um, everybody is hyper paranoid about everything, but <clears throat> we were able to wear masks. So there was a whole year that I was wearing masks that I did not get as much stares, as many gawks and as many um, long looks. So it was kind of comfortable. And when COVID was over, there was a whole period where I was like, do I wear the mask or don't I wear the mask? I see, you know, I've had my, I've had my two Moderna shots. I've been vaccinated. So am I wearing this mask for comfort and to hide or am I wearing it to be safe? So there was a whole period of time where I would sit in the car, just that extra few seconds and just kind of do I wear it? No. Yeah. And so, yeah, I had to get comfortable again, not wearing masks because there was a comfort in not getting stared at. You know, you go to the grocery store, you just get the one look and then you go on about your business. She's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm chilling. You know, I ain't got to deal with the stairs today. So, yeah. Um, OK, so back to your question, the stigma, mm -hmm. uh, leprosy. Um, did COVID make this happen? Is it transmissible? Mm -hmm. Um, what else? And you know, a lot of people are, I, I know you mentioned Michael Jackson. A lot of people are really turned off by that comparison because mm -hmm. Michael Jackson has his own issues or whatnot, but I find it relatable. I actually say Michael Jackson had it when people ask me what it is, because a lot of, most people will go, Oh yeah. Okay. And, mm -hmm. and because they've seen it before, now they can start processing it and now they can start, you know, in their minds forming what vitiligo is. Because if I just say it's an autoimmune disorder, you know, when somebody says autoimmune disorder, the first thing I think of is AIDS. So, mm. so you know, it's, it's those little things like that. And just um, being confident and, you know, standing up straight, looking at people in the eye and stuff like that. And don't, if you look sick, people are going to think you're sick, you know? So yeah. a, lot, a lot of it is just um, presenting yourself in the way you want people to receive you. Yeah, that is, that's a word. And I appreciate you sharing that, your responses. That is definitely a word um, because I have learned that if you give off this, this vibe, I'll say, yeah, of like, you're just suspicious of everybody the moment you walk in the store because you expect negative attention, then you're going to get what you're going to get. That's so but true. But something my aunt and my family do a good job of doing is encouraging me to own or use that negative attention as a chance to one, allow people to see Christ in me, two, allow it to be a moment where I represent other people who have my condition. Cause if I just like, what you looking at, then <laughs> they're going to have that perception of other people with my condition, even though on the inside, I want to be like, what you looking at? I don't do that. You know? <laughs> um, so my last question, I asked this to all my guests and I always get golden nuggets, no pressure. What has helped you become better instead of bitter when it comes to vitiligo? 
what has helped me become better and not bitter? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I know you, Maya, and I know, I kind of know what you want to hear <laughs> because I know your, your desire for Christ and your love for Christ, and it's beautiful, it's so beautiful. Um, but I'm going to have to say my family, um, my wife and my children, you know, when I when I didn't love myself and when I didn't like, I won't say like myself, I'll say when I didn't like the way I looked, my wife would say, you are so handsome. You know, I remember one time my eyelashes had turned all white. And when I tell you I felt like a freak from X-Men, I felt like doo-doo on a stick. I felt hideous. My wife told me, you have, your eyelashes are so long and beautiful. I just love them. I mean, for somebody to love the worst parts of me just really kept me in the game because um, I don't know what direction I would have gone without that love. So I'll say love, the love of my family, the love of my daughter who didn't see anything but her father who she loved and who loved her. And um, that love carried me in my weakest moments. You know, I struggled with, with faith. I struggled with healing. I struggled with, okay, um, this is my belief system. I've believed my entire life and I'm standing on what I've been taught and what I've believed. And I'm, you know, I want a healing. I want to be healed. And I did a lot of dramatic things. And I won't say I gave up. I'll say I, I, I gained a new understanding of my faith and um, <laughs> I gained a new understanding of my faith and how I see myself in Christ and in God. Um, I, I don't see myself as a, uh, a person just looking to the heavens for savior. I, I, I see myself as a, as a partner with Christ and the, <laughs> And all of the tools that I need, I, I've had the entire time. I just needed to discover them and to walk in them. And that's kind of my philosophy now. I mean, there was a point where I was like, I need a healing. I want to be healed. I believe I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to be one of these people whose skin turns white. It's not going to happen. And sure enough, it did happen. And I had to really... Um, Go back to the drawing board and understand God from a unit. You know, you, you see me do a lot of universal posts because I see God as a universal God. I don't, I don't see him in this box that I saw him in at first. I, I see God as a universal God, a God of the universe. So anyway, just the way I see myself in God. That's dope. And I appreciate you sharing that. Just know when I ask that question, I have zero expectations because I Yeah, but I know you and I know who <laughs> you are and I know coming yeah. on this show, you um that's something that's important to you. And, oh and yeah, I but I just want to say big props to your wife and your daughter because oftentimes we need a support system and our support system, no matter what we're going through, we can go going through a condition or loss, grief, whatever it is, our support system is what reminds us that we're going to be okay and we're not alone in the things that we go through. So I really appreciate you sharing that. 
And it's just a testament to the fact that you were blessed with a wonderful wife and a wonderful family. Yeah, um, you got some people in the comment section ready to cry just by sharing that. Word. I can't see the comments, but big up to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, let me put it on comments. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, also, I want to say that I can relate to that learning who God is for you, even in the midst of what you're going through. Something I've studied is what do you do when God doesn't take away X, Y, Z? He does one of two things. He can remove the situation entirely or he can strengthen you in it. And I've learned to find just peace in the fact that he has strengthened me in the challenges and the conditions that I go through. And I noticed that he strengthens others in their challenges and the things that they go through. Because if you look at some people, you're like, wow, how in the world are they still standing after all they've been through? Or how in the world are they in their right mind? You know, and you look at it and you realize that their situation never changed, but they changed because God gave them strength in the midst of it. So I want to give you an opportunity to tell everyone whatever it is that you're working on, how to find you on social media, any projects you have coming up, anything. Go ahead. Um, right now, I've, um, I've linked up with a few brothers from other cities around the United States, and we've, we've um, created a Brothers Alliance with Vitiligo and we're just working on a brother summit because I remember the times where I, when I first got vitiligo, um, you know, you're looking for someone to nurture you and to kind of show you the way. And it's cool because I got a lot of um, women who who were there for me, but I was looking for a male a, a male energy to to kind of put that hand on your shoulder and be like, bro chill out. It's, it's cool. Like chill. Everything is going to be all right. And that was very important in my development. And in our community, it's very female led. And the, there are a handful of guys who just said, it's time that we t take our role in the community and kind of bring the guys along because there, like I said, there are things in Congress and there are things that we're trying to do. And um, the guys aren't pulling their weight. So so um, other than that, um, I've started an entrepreneurial venture. So I'm just trying to figure out a new space of, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur for 15, not 15, I almost told the story. For 13 years, I worked in IT. And then mm. during the pandemic, um, that just kind of went away. And um, I was afforded a, a little bit of money to, to start um, my entrepreneurial pursuit, something I've always wanted to do. And I was just waiting for the right moment to jump on it, but it is real out here. It's real. If you don't work, you don't eat. You know what I'm saying? Say that. You take a vacation and uh, ain't no check next week. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, that's here nor there. Mm -hmm. I'm just here for the group. I'm here for um, vitiligo awareness. I'm here for to be an advocate for albinism awareness. And I really like the albinism community to, to um, really chime in and be be more present and to share your stories and to share your stuff on the page because I don't want it to be all vitiligo. I want it to be like a 50-50. I want it to be a partnership. And I think we can do really great things. 
Well, I tell you what, I am going to make sure that I put your information in the link in the description uh, area, but I'm also going to post your information to Instagram because I have a lot of people that follow me with albinism who would love to be involved in the vitiligo and albinism network. So brother, with that being said, thank you for giving your time and attention to this interview and for sharing your experiences, your knowledge and your story. It has been a wonderful time. Any last words? I'm not letting you go until you give me a verse. (laughs) I need a verse. Where's your guitar? Where is it? Where is your guitar? Oh, it's oh, it's what happened, bud? <laughs> but you want me to please, sing? Okay, I'll sing. Verse. Okay, all right, thank you. I'll sing. Um, all right, <clears throat> great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning. New mercies I see, all that I've needed, thy hands have provided. Great is your mercy, Lord, unto me. On that note, y'all. Remember to live each day to become better and not bitter. And I'll see you this Friday at 2 p.m. Thank you. Thank you.